It's so good to, to have you here. If we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Keith, and hopefully we'll have the chance to connect out in the corridor following service. Now, I want, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to, uh, to the book of James and uh, turn to James chapter 3. And if, uh, you know, if you are new to Grace, if you haven't been here before, we just started last week a series that's going to be based out of, of James chapter 3. And we're, we're, we're looking at uh, the power of the tongue. And the whole series is called Watch Your Mouth. And I'm like, you know, what way is it that, that God leads me to teach a series, maybe to uh, just work on your jacked up pastor. I'm just telling you right now, um, on Friday, you know, I, I, I had, let me back up, you know, a few years ago, I, I've been one of those guys, I always, when it comes to buying a car, I'm looking at, can it get me to, from point A to point B, and I want to do it as efficiently as possible, but a few years ago, I invested in a little bit nicer car for me, and I'm proud taking car, care of my car. I, I wouldn't say that it's like my baby or anything like that. Like some of you name your cars or whatever. I don't, like, it doesn't have a name, you know, but I like my car. And so Friday, uh, while I was in getting pizza, somebody smashed in the side of my car. I appreciate your sympathy. Um, <laughs> and I, I, was with, I was with Cole, my youngest son. So we walk out, and this lady has just smashed in the side of my car. And God reminded me about everything I've been preaching in this series on Watch Your Mouth. And you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop some truth bombs on you throughout this message. And truth number one, if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, I, I just want you to understand this. The mouth is a window to your heart. The mouth is a window to your heart. Amen? Uh, how many of you have been to a doctor? And they give you that little, the, the wide popsicle stick where they press it down your tongue. It's that little tongue depressor. What do they say? When they say, okay, open up and say, ah. You know why they do that? Not just because they want to make you feel like a moron doing that. They, they are looking inside because a doctor knows, or a nurse, a medical personnel, they, when they look inside your mouth, they can see evidence of perhaps a problem that's going on inside. In a very real way, spiritually, the same thing is true. The, the mouth is a window to the heart. You know, Jesus in Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 45, was, uh, he, he was talking about this. Actually, the, the end of Luke chapter 6, you can, you can study that yourself. But, but in, in verse 45, he summed up his teaching on speech and on how we live by saying this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and he's just nailing down what, what we're going to see here as we look at, at, at James chapter 3. Look at verse 9. He's talking about the mouth. He said, with the mouth, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? You see, what he's saying here is he's, Jesus used the analogy of, of, of you know, a, a certain tree produces a certain type of fruit. Like if you're expecting, a, a, you know, you plant an apple tree and you're like, I can't wait to see this apple tree produce strawberries. You're like, like what's your problem? I mean, you're going to get what you plant. 
And so this, this is the point. Our mouth is a window to our heart. And I'm pretty sure that many times it's our careless or maybe our everyday words that reveal more than our carefully chosen words when we're around certain people. So like, for example, I mean, you remember going on your first date with, uh, with your spouse and you, you just like put on the dog. Well, hopefully you did. I mean, like you took him to a nice place and, and you presented the best version of you you knew how to present. And it went well until you spilled the coffee or whatever. Like, like I'm just going to tell you, it's hot here in Idaho. Like, anybody figuring that out? Like, hot. Somebody told me this morning, I was like, I moved to Idaho for the cool weather. Good luck. Good luck. And if you ever see me wearing a coat in this hot thing, you know that I spilled coffee all over my shirt. That's exactly what I did. So I threw on a coat for backup, and we're good to go. I'm putting on the dog, man. You know, we, we do this when we're around people. We cover up. We, we try to be who we are. It's, it's, our, it's our everyday words that reveal. I remember one time I, I called a person who used to attend our church. I'll put the emphasis there. Um, and, and I was inquiring. I was just asking them about something. And uh, they literally, when I asked them a question, they responded and did. They, they swore a, it was a blue, uh, it was just a whole blue section of words. And I'm like, okay. I, I didn't say anything. I'm just, I listened. And then they said, now who was this again? <laughs> and, and I said, this is Pastor Keith. And it went like really quiet. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, man. I grinned the entire time on this. I was like, man, I would love to know what they're feeling right now. So I haven't seen them for a while. But anyway, uh, you see, I, it, it really, it is our, it's, our, it's our words, just our, our everyday words that reveal what's taking place. Now, I want us to understand something. Th th this is big truth number two that I want us to grasp, and that's, that's this. A lot of times, we, you know, we want to go around, and we want to do all the work of transforming our mouth, and, and man, I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to do this. But I want us to understand this. A cleansed mouth requires first a cleansed heart. A cleansed mouth requires a cleansed heart. Okay, so that's why he's using this whole example of a fig tree. Don't, don't expect a fig tree to produce olives. And so what that means is, in essence, I mean, if you have profane speech, probably you have a profane heart. You know, if you swear like a sailor, you probably have a sailor's heart. I don't know. I just threw that in there. If, 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 we, if we gossip, we probably have a gossip's heart. If we slander, we probably have a slanderous heart. Listen, our words are a window to our soul, but the reality is what we've got to understand, it's not just about disciplining more. It begins with an inner cleansing, and this is what the gospel does. Our heart needs to be cleansed before our mouth is cleansed. And so I want you to turn back in your Bible to James chapter 1. So we've been in James 3. I want you to go back to James chapter 1. And I told you this, this series is out of James 3, but we're going to see how, how God uses uh, the, the, the writers that were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to, to drive home this point in various areas, these principles through, throughout Scripture. And I want us to look at verse 17 of James chapter 1. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love that description of God. I would love to, I'm going to preach a whole message from that, but it's not today. But man, just think about that, pray in response to that. That's, that's good right there. Look at verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation, or of, of, of his creatures. 
And so, so we look at this, God gives birth to his children by virtue of his word. He's, he's talking about the gospel here. And so what I want us to make sure we understand is that the cleansing of the heart only happens thanks as, as we respond to the powerful truth of the gospel, which is this, that we are desperately in need of change and we can't do the change ourselves, but thanks to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross where he did what we could not do for ourselves, we can be saved. We receive this gift of salvation by believing in his work, we surrender to him. He's Savior. He's Lord. This, in a summary, is the gospel. And we know that one day Christ is going to finish the work that he started in us. Now, here's the thing. We are saved in a moment of time for all eternity, and I'm thankful for that. But God does a work. It's called sanctification. But it's a, it's a work that is a step-by-step work in the lives of his children after salvation. So get this, we're saved, and we are called saints. And every time I say that, I always have somebody push back, I am no saint. I don't care what you call yourself, you are in God's eyes. That's what he calls us. He doesn't call us sinners. There's nowhere in Scripture where it's referring to his people, he's called, that he calls us sinners. We call ourselves sinners. He calls us saints. Now, he gives us a name, and because there's obviously there's a definition of the word saint. He gives us a name that we don't even initially live, live up to. How many of you have found that old habits die hard, right? I mean, come on, we've, we've all been there. Old habits die hard. And so when we habitually live in sin, let's, let's just be honest. I mean, it's, God changes us inwardly, but then he goes about making us who he's called us to be. Now, I want us to understand something. I, I don't have, like, if you're taking notes and you're like, the big point is missing. I left off the sermon guide. Sue me. Here we go. <laughs> but I, I, I want you to grab this. I want, you, I want you to make sure we understand this. Godly transformation requires our cooperation. Okay, so God's done his work. He saves us. And what we're going to see, a cleansed mouth starts with a cleansed heart. The Holy Spirit, it's not just that we're saved. Then, it, you know, the Holy Spirit goes about making us who we're called to be. Second Corinthians chapter 3, where we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. We see this. This is awesome. But, it, but there's also a response that's required from us. And so it's God's work. Godly transformation, though, requires our cooperation. And that's where I want to spend the rest of our time. Because there are four commitments that I'm going to challenge us to make. This is going to be a very applicational message. I want us to put this into practice, right? I'm not just throwing truth. Let's take this, live in response to this. And so just so you know, this message, I like was really getting fired up. And I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Uh, I, this was before my car got hit. And I'm fired up. And this is great. And now I'm convicted. Anyway, uh, I had so much material. I'm like, there is no way we are fitting this into one message. And so this is like part A. I had to split this in two because if not, like 1130 people would be mad and saying things they shouldn't say because we're still in here. So I am, we're going to finish this up, but there are four commitments that I'm going to introduce that are, I think are very important. And then we'll, we'll talk about what this looks like in real life. Godly transformation requires our cooperation, and there are four commitments. Number one, the first commitment I want you to understand is this. God, I commit to be quick to hear. Now, where does that come from? Well, if you keep on reading in James chapter 1, look what James says, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, 
For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So this this whole thing, be quick to hear. Somebody told me your ears should be five times as big as your mouth. Some of you are like, I'm there. This is great. You know, what, what I'm talking about is what are we hearing? What are we listening to? And so when it says be quick to hear, is it just saying be quick to hear noises? Like, I don't normally hear things in the middle of the night. Like, Lori's the one that usually will hear things in the middle of the night. Like, when I fall asleep, I am in the sweet, like, like World War III could break out, and I'm like, eh, I'm just, I'm gone. I mean, I'm, I'm gone. But sometimes she will hear something, and every once in a while, if she hears something, and this doesn't happen often, but, but she'll poke me and say, did, did you hear that? I'm like, no, I didn't, didn't hear that. Well, why don't you go see what's going on? I don't know what I'm looking for. I didn't hear it. I mean, where, where, where do I go? And, 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 and so it, it can't be like hearing in that context where it's just, we're talking about, hey, I just hear. No, what's he saying? No, we, we hear the word. What, what's it talking about? It's, it's talking about the word of God. And, and, and so what I know is to, to hear words, to, to act, did you know the act, that active listening requires humility? You ever been around a person that does, all they know how to do is talk? Me, 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 I, 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 me, me, I, I. And like, every, like even if you're sharing, you're sharing a story, they're like, oh, that's nothing. Oh, excuse me, my, my bad, I'm sorry. You know, there's a, there's a comedian who does a whole skit on this. He says, I wish I could walk on the moon because who's going who's gonna to top I walked on the moon? You know what I'm saying? It's like, let's just do this. But, you know, you, it, it takes humility to listen. It takes humility to even listen for God. And the issue is that many of us, we just don't take time to listen. And I, I've, I'm raising my hand. I, I'm the first. I'm preaching to myself. I think we'll understand this, this more as we look at the other commitments, because I want to clarify, because there, there, there's another commitment that I want to challenge us to pray. God, I commit to be slow to angry speech. And this is where we're going to just, <laughs> ooh, here we go. Okay, there's a difference between, okay, did you know there's such a thing as righteous, godly anger? There is. There is, there is an anger at injustice. There is an anger at things that we see that, that, is, that is a good thing, where we stand up for the oppressed. I mean, that's, that's all through Scripture. There is godly anger for the, for the things of God, man, for, for people that are profaning the things. There is a godly anger. But that's not what James is talking about. He's talking about a self-centered, prideful anger that results in words that cut like knives. It's like machetes, and we're cutting, and we're, we're gouging. This is what he's talking about. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. Jonathan Edwards uh, is a pastor, evangelist from the 1700s, and I came across a, a little book that he wrote And one of his greatest frustrations was that in some of the revivals that began to sweep through America in the early 1700s, there would would begin to be a move of God and there would be life transformation. The church would be changed. There would be evidence of of God's move even within the community. And one of his frustrations was was the fact that there would come a point where it was almost like it came to a a screeching halt. And And he began to study what... What could be the case behind what he calls the strangling of revival? 
And, and it, he, to summarize, he, he found that the strangling of revival came from angry pride. And he defined angry pride here. He identified the type of pride that strangles revivals, and I believe does more than strangle revivals. It does that. It strangles a move of God, but it strangles relationships. It strangles friendships. It strangles families. It, it's, it messes up family reunions. It messes up uh, employment relationships and all of that sort of thing. It's, what, it's what's brought us to a place in this country where we don't even have the ability to dialogue anymore. All we do is yell at each other on social media. Here's, just listen to this. Look, man, this is in the 1700s. I'm going to summarize, but, but here's what he identified. Number one, a proud heart is sure of every point of its beliefs. What I mean by that is that a proud heart doesn't believe that they have anything left to learn. They are right on everything, and they can't distinguish between a major point and a minor point. They don't know how to dialogue. They don't know how to work through things. All they know how to do is argue, to fight for everything, great or small. And what Jonathan Edwards writes is he found that this not only kills revival and spiritual growth, but it kills all relationships because a heart that isn't teachable and humble is a heart that's going to speak angry pride and it will damage the church. And I will say this, it's still hindering a move of God. Another identification that I, that I found very interesting was that a proud heart enjoys confronting or, avo or avoids confronting, but never does so with tears. And what Jonathan Edwards pointed out was that a, 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 the, the confrontational spirit is someone who loves catching somebody that's wrong. And they, they actually delight in challenging people. There's something that they enjoy. There's like this perverse pleasure. Ah, I'm right and you're wrong and they like it. But there's no, there's no true concern for the person. Maybe they avoid confrontation and the reason a proud heart avoids confrontation, Edwards points out, is because of the, uh, is because of, and I'm summarizing here, is, is because they don't want to be challenged they don't want to even, to even entertain the idea that they might be wrong. Whereas the contrast of this is the person that is, that is quick to hear, that is humble, that is receptive. I mean, this just happened recently. A guy that I don't even know that well um, reached out to me, said, hey, uh, man, would you have some time? We sat down, and um, this, this man challenged me on something, something that he had seen. And as he challenged me, this man wept. He cried. He, was not, he did not weep because he was nervous. He did not weep. He wept because of a few things. First of all, he wept because he loves the word of God. He wept because he loves me even though he didn't know me that well. And he wept because he, he was convinced that he had to do this. And God used that interaction. It was a powerful thing that I, I, I will always, always be grateful and in fact, I told him later, I, I reached out to him, and I said, I, I aspire, I aspire to be able to take that humble approach in, in addressing sin or addressing a wrong or addressing a point of disagreement. He gave me an incredible model. You see, the proud and angry heart says, no, I'm right. And they do so, they, they enjoy it. That will strangle 
a move of God. This is why we watch our mouth. This is why we say, God, I, I commit to be slow to angry speech. But he also said that a proud heart is always unhappy with its life. Edward said that the mark of a proud heart is that it's always, and I'm, I'm using my language, griping about how life is going. They're always unhappy. And I would say this, I can learn a lot, you can learn a lot about people. Let's just look at their social media profile. I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to leave that right there. But he, said, but he said the mark of a proud heart is that it's always angry. And what we know is that, man, the words that come out, they're hand grenades. They're hand grenades. They blow up. They destroy. You see, church, I'm convinced that God has something for us that is much greater than this. I believe that God wants a, a bride, as, as we read in Ephesians 5, that is, that is spotless, that is pure, and it's a purity that not only impacts what we do with our hands, but also impacts the words that come out of our mouth. He will cleanse the heart. God begins to do a work in us, and then he goes about setting us and set, allowing us to be who he's called us to be. He, he, goes, he goes about transforming us. But godly transformation requires our cooperation. And so we pray, God, I commit to be quick to hear. I commit to be slow to angry speech. But the third commitment is this, God, I commit to actively receiving your word. Look at verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so this is why we pray, God, I, I commit to actively receiving your word because I, I, want to, I want us to grasp this. There's a difference between reading the word and receiving the word. Can we, can we understand that? B big difference. So, so like, like there's this whole thing of, of acquiring information and, and part of this is the acquiring of information. But, 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 but there's a difference between like, for instance, some of you like have done what I've done. You go on YouTube and you find yourself going down a rabbit trail and a rabbit hole like of all kinds of just crazy stuff. Like you, you get obsessed with a certain topic and you watch video after video after video after video and you walk away and you know more about something you didn't know, you know about before, perhaps. I mean, don't trust everything's on the internet, please, people. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. You acquire information, but there's something that is powerful here. It's, it's, it's this word that precedes the word word that, that I want to point out, the implanted word. What is the implanted word? Church, what, what we understand as we study the word of God is that I don't fully, I'll, I'll be the first, thing, first one to tell you, I don't fully understand this, but God is salvation. He does this work. He transforms us. We are born again, as Jesus explains this in John chapter 3. We are, it's literally this, this whole thing, we are born again, and, and, and we are made new inside. Once again, old habits die hard, but God does a change in us. And as a result, he gives us knowledge. He opens our eyes to see things we could not see before. The apostle Paul talks about this. He says the cross is a stumbling block to those who don't believe. They don't, they don't get it. But he said to those who do believe, man, it is the power of, of God unto salvation. 
And so there's an implanted word in which God begins to even give us an internal knowledge, and we don't understand it. But what we know is as we study the word of God, we could have studied for information before we met Jesus, before we were born again, but there's something that's different because it's, it's what the psalmist talks about, deep calls to deep. We read something, and all of a sudden what we read before there's something that identifies the spirit allows this to ring true and we understand what this is and we receive the word. We don't just read it. We want the word to come past our ears. We want it to take root in our hearts and our souls. And so we, 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 we allow the word of God to transform us. You see, we're born again by the imperishable seed. This is how, it's, how, how, how Scripture reveals us, by, by the imperishable seed, the living and abiding Word of God. We talked about this last week. God created all that there is by speaking it into existence, Genesis chapter 1. But God has given us new life, again, by His Word. We cannot say words do not matter to God. He is, he, even Jesus himself is known as the Word. And so to receive the word is to recognize what's been implanted, but to also receive it, to let this thing come in, to let the word come inside. And, and there's, there's so many ways that, that I can break this down, and maybe next week we'll get into this. But I, I'm here to tell you that, that one, of the, one of the biggest struggles for me, for all of us, I'll guarantee you, is this. We don't receive with meekness the implanted word. And this is not me just like chopping off, you know, people's heads and saying, terrible, terrible, terrible. No, listen, listen. What I mean by this is we've lost the ability in our, in our crazy lives to meditate, to contemplate on, on what the Word is saying, on what God is saying. We've missed the ability to humbly quiet ourselves before God and instead of talking to Him, listen to Him. God is speaking. He will speak through his written word. He will speak through his godly people. The Holy Spirit will do his speaking. Church, we have to listen. That's a whole other message, but I'm telling you, this whole idea of meditation, of meditating on the word, allowing the word to take root, I believe this is what, this is how, the, what David meant when he tied speaking and meditating together. When in Psalm 19:14 he wrote, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer." I'm gonna leave that there. We'll come back and hit that later. But there, man, there's so much to unpack there. But the fourth commitment that I want to challenge us to this week is this: God, I commit to put away ungodly speech. God, I commit to put away ungodly spe speech. See, we're not, we're not only called to humbly receive, but we're also called throughout Scripture to obediently put away some things. And within the context that, that we see these, the, these putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, that can refer to many different things. I understand that. But understand, also understand the context in which we're giving this. It's within the context of speaking. Be slow to speak, slow to anger. Put away all wickedness and, and filthiness. This is a commitment I want to challenge to you. We're going to break this down because everybody has a different definition on what filthy speech is, right? Like for, for, for some people, 
Like, I, like everything's bad. Like you're scared you're going to say something wrong. I'm going to take, yeah, I'm going to accidentally take God's name in vain or, or I'm going to say a byword or whatever. I mean, oh, my stars. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you have that. And then like people, the only definition is like the F word, right? Like so, some of you are like just offended. I said the F word. I, I didn't say it. Hold on a second. I'm going to get myself in trouble. If you're watching online, cut that. Anyway, uh, but what I'm saying is we, we have this wide gamut. We're just going to study this next week and, and break this down to make sure that you know, I want us to have a biblical understanding of what filthiness and wickedness, especially when it comes in the context of speech, is referring to. But, but, I, but I, I, I want us to understand that this is a commitment that we should make. Because again, godly transformation requires our cooperation. And, and I, can, can I, just, I want to just challenge something that I hear people say from time to time as they're sitting in my office. This is just who I am. It's not. That's who you were. God has always been about making his people a new creation. Old things have passed away. The new has come. And what that's going to involve is not your passive receptiveness, though humility is necessary in receiving. It's also your active obedience. And so we'll, we'll, we'll break that down. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into this. But, but, but man, for, for, for me, I, I want us to, to, to walk away thinking about this. My words, my mouth is a window to my soul, to my heart. A cleansed mouth, though, begins with a cleansed heart. And I think as we jump into this, we're going to understand, as, as, we, as we look and we, we, we break down even more next week, we're going to understand what it is to, that God has called us to. Here's the interesting thing. God has high expectations for his people. But I want you to listen to, to me. This is very important. God does not leave us to our own efforts by themselves to get to his standard. He has given us the Holy Spirit to transform us, to cleanse us, to help us. He will cleanse our heart, and then his Holy Spirit does his work as we cooperate to go about cleansing our mouth and everything else. And so next week, we're going we're gonna to dive, we're, you know, we're going to dive into this, see, see a little bit more, see a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, uh, about this. But, but what, I, what I want us to do is, as we leave is I want us to, I want us to live these, these four commitments, okay? So if you, hopefully you've taken notes. If you didn't, I'm going to give them to you one more time. Number one, to pray this, God, I commit to be quick to hear. And so what, what I want you to do this week, I, I, if you can find five minutes, ten minutes to be silent, you're like, that is impossible. You don't know my household. Go outside. It's hot. Get up early. Listen, we, we all can come up with a million excuses. I want you to get quiet before God. Find times this week where you can listen. What is God saying? The second thing, God, I commit. I, com I commit to be slow to angry speech. Guys, we, we, got, we, we, we can make this commitment. The third commitment is this. God, I commit to receive your implanted word. Now, you know what that means, don't you? You can't receive the word without being in the word. Okay? So, so I want to challenge you this week. Listen, you're like, I just, I fall asleep, you know, when I do it right before bed. Don't do it right before you go to bed. That's a terrible time for me to do it. I literally, I'd read it and 
I mean, I am not going to get anything out of Scripture if I read before I go to bed. What, 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 whatever time works for you. And, and like, you don't start out running and preparing for a marathon by running, you know, like the first day, you know, the, the whole 26.2 miles. No, you would die. So you know what you do? You, you get up, you get up and you, you run from, from your house to the edge of the, you know, to, you know, the block. And you're like, ooh, man, that's good. And then you walk home. That's how you start. But you know what? It doesn't end there. You get up the next day and you do it again. Next week, you go a little further. You set these goals and you, that's, that's how you get to run a marathon. You don't just wake up, I'm going to run a marathon. If you think this week you're going to get into the Word and you're going to start off on Monday and I'm going to read the book of Genesis, no, you're not. If you do, congratulations, but that was a terrible idea. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Listen, just start by reading a little Word. Just, just receive some of the Word. Take time. Guys, if it's five, ten minutes, whatever, get quiet, read the word, let's see what God's saying. But then the fourth commitment is, the fourth commitment is, is this, I'm going to put away filthiness. Maybe one of the best things that you can do is just evaluate what words are coming out of your mouth. And, and that's, this is not to guilt you. That's not, that's not the point of this message at all. The point of this is God's called us to something. I want all that God has for me. So let's, let's go after this because godly transformation requires our cooperation. Let's see what God does as we make these commitments. Come back next week, and we're going to have all kinds of fun talking about language. Oh, man, we're going to have fun. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for what you've done, for your goodness. I love the fact that you, your grace is amazing. It's always at work. It's transforming us. God, you're not done with your people, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you not only change our hearts, you change our, our hands, where our feet go. You change what our mouth speaks. And God, those of us who, who unfortunately, maybe as we look back, have been marked by, by speech that cuts, that tears down, that destroys, that, that is blasphemous, that is vulgar. You literally can transform not just the heart, but the mouth. And God, you can use us to speak life, to breathe life, to proclaim your word. What was a profane mouth can now be a mouth set apart to you. And so God, I want to thank you for the work you're doing in your people. And so as we leave here, we make these commitments and we follow through. I want to thank you in advance for how you're going to move, for how you're going to change us for what? For the fruit that's going to come. And so God, because of the fact we believe you're still working, we pray this with anticipation in the name of Jesus, believing that the best is yet to come. And all God's people said, Amen. see you next week.